Welcome to the Expansive CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, founder of Expansive CEO and X Squared Wealth Planning. Buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Expansive CEO Podcast and this episode of Investment Friday. I am your host, Hannah Chapman, and I am going solo today for Investment Friday. And I am going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to share something that has come up over the last month or so, um, in the popular discourse and give my response to it. And, um, I would like for this to be the opening of a conversation. So if this is interesting to you, if you have thoughts, I would love to hear what you have to say as well. So when we talk about you know, especially on Investment Friday episodes where, you know, Brad Haynes, my chief investment officer is frequently here. And we'll talk about what's going on in the financial markets and, you know, what that is looking like for the individual investor, right? What's going on out in the economy? And then how is it going to affect you as an individual and affect your family and affect your business? And, you know, take those big concepts and then distill them down so that you can take some sort of aligned action um, that's right for you and for your family. And what I want to respond to is actually a clip from the Dave Ramsey show. Uh, He has a call-in show. Many people are familiar with Dave Ramsey. He became very popular when he, you know, shared his um, approach to getting out of debt. And for me personally, I am not a Dave Ramsey advocate or fan. So I'll say that right up front. Um, But I also know that his methods have helped some families who were really struggling to get out of debt and to, um, you know, create a path forward that works for them. That said, uh, without even going into all of the all of the notes on why, you know, I actually am not opposed to or afraid of debt or having debt, um, even you know beyond homes, you know, like a mortgage, you know, having debt for your mortgage or having a loan for your business. Um, having a line of credit that's available to you if you need it. Um, I actually think debt is can be very beneficial and can be used and utilized and leveraged in ways that you you don't get with just your regular cash positions. And so from that standpoint, as a financial advisor and someone who helps people look to the future and look for ways to optimize their their financial um, life, debt is frequently a way that we can do that. And being able to be responsible with debt is really the the key here. So I wanted to, you know, start from there, start from that point and say that, you know, on, on that very fundamental level, 
Uh, that's that's one of the main reasons why I, I actually disagree um, with Dave Ramsey. I don't think everyone needs to be at zero percent debt, and I don't think that everyone needs to, um, you know, slash their budgets to the point where they're only eating ramen um, or rice and beans, and you know, cutting their housing costs, driving you know a, a very old vehicle. All of those strategies don't necessarily work for everyone and can sometimes be a bigger mental burden um, than is actually healthy for a family rather than creating a plan that will allow you to continue to live your life and make choices that will help you get to the level of debt that you're comfortable with or that you can maintain easily um, on your your salary, your budget, um, and the other aspect of that is I, I truly think for most people, um, instead of slashing budgets, which can be very, very difficult depending on you know where you live and different aspects, uh, slashing budget is a lot more difficult, scary, um, and, and in general doesn't work as well, is not as sustainable as increasing income. And so that's the other tack that I usually take is that, you know, I, I like to um, look at how we can increase income rather than slash budgets, if at all possible. And to be honest, when I work with entrepreneurs, a lot of times there is room for increasing income. And when you do increase income, whether that's from creating more profitability in your business, um, tweaking your offers or your services so that they are um, more, again, more profitable for you and, and create a better balance between your business and personal expenses and the money that's coming in, that can actually be a very easy fix. And I've helped many, many clients um, with that specific thing, like looking at how much money do you actually need to make in your in your business? How much revenue do you need to have uh, so that you can support your business fully and support your personal life, your family, support that fully? Let's look at this picture holistically and then create a revenue figure goal that will actually support both business, personal, um, will allow you to save for taxes, will allow you to save for a rainy day. All of these things are important. Right. And we do that by increasing income almost almost across the board. There is some expense reduction in some places. If, you know, there are places where you're spending money where you don't love to spend money. If you're not um, if you're not super excited about living in a big fancy house and you don't want that type of expense, then don't have a big fancy house right? And don't have a big mortgage if that's not something that's important to you. Um, or it could be a car, right? If you aren't, you know, aligned with or don't care about having a higher end luxury vehicle, then don't worry about it. Then, you know, have the, the less expensive car. That's that's completely fine. Um, and we want to make sure our spending is aligned with our priorities in that way. So from that perspective, Yes, I can understand that. You know, we want to make sure that we're spending money that's aligned with our values and our needs and our desires. What I disagree with and what I'm about to play, I'm about to play a clip uh, for you from a recent um, podcast recording that Dave Ramsey did. And I'm going to share with you 
what uh, has been a big um, point of conversation for a lot of people, actually. So here I'm going to, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm actually sharing my screen uh, and I'm going to play this. It's a YouTube short that's, uh, you know, a piece of this podcast interview. So Dave and his uh, partner in this podcast are talking to a man who was called in asking for help about how to make things work a little bit better when he and his wife currently make about $180,000 together in total income. She's a resident at a hospital. Um, it doesn't say what he does, but she makes $70,000 right now in residency. He makes $110,000 in his job and their expenses are fairly high. And so I'm just going to play the clip first and let you hear it. And then I will let you know, you know what what's my response after. In childcare? Uh, it's about $80,000 a year. Why? You bought them in college? <laughs> the, the base tuition for the child daycare we use is $25,000 per kid. Then we pay extra for early care and after care, and it doesn't go during the summer. So during the summer, you need a nanny. Uh, there's there's cheaper routes, but I know that there. I'm going to be as nice as I can, Dave. You guys have lost your minds. There's cheaper routes. Oh, yeah, I think there's cheaper routes. I, that, that's all I can say because here's well, you the got thing. them in some kind of dad gum. I mean, are they going to Harvard? What the yeah, crap? It is, it is a pretty fancy game. Yeah, they can downgrade. Yeah, I think they're not even in school and you're already paying 25000 a head. Yeah, come on, dude. That's just dumber than crap. <laughs> Seriously, how much are you paying a month? In so that particular clip, the thing, it actually, it actually hurts my heart to listen to that. And I've seen it several times. I've listened to it quite a few times. I've listened to more of the interview to kind of hear, hear more um, of the story. And what hurts my heart when I listen to that is the disdain that Dave Ramsey shows. And so if you if you're watching on YouTube, you might have seen him, you know, have a very mocking uh, response. At one point when the caller said something, he you know, he did this like eh, like response. And that to me um was so uncompassionate, so inconsiderate and didn't actually take in anything that the caller was asking about. So this person called asking for help. He was feeling, you know, he he wouldn't have called this show if he wasn't feeling overwhelmed and like he needed some sort of outside guidance to make things easier. And so when he was sharing that he has two kids in daycare and it's $25,000 per year for each child, just as the base cost for each child. And then they have to add on after after school care and before school care. Again, his wife is in residency to be a doctor. And then his job clearly, you know, takes a full working day as well. So to me, understanding me, I, I also have three children 
My oldest is almost 13. Uh, my middle just turned 11. My youngest is eight. We went through the daycare years. We went through those years where we paid, you know, 1800 to, you know, more than $2,000 a month on daycare and preschool for our kids because that was what was available. That's what we needed for our schedules, uh, for our, to be able to work and to continue our jobs. Um, and there was no sense from Dave Ramsey or his partner on the podcast that they understood where this person lived, you know, what's the average cost of daycare in their area, um, or even, you know, gave him a chance to, to share that information. And beyond that, the thing that like really, again, that hurts my heart, that kind of like got me fired up to, to share a response was the mocking tone. And you heard it all the way throughout that clip. The mocking tone uh, that you're dumber than crap, right? Like that is so shaming and does not actually help the situation at all. And when people are shamed about their money, about their spending, about the debt that they have, um, about, you know, maybe they're, um, they feel like they should have more savings than they do right now. Anytime that an, a, a supposed authority figure or someone that you, you know, give authority to, uses this shaming shaming and mocking tone that is only going to cause more retraction more more fear more shame to pile on top of that and then that does not lead that does not lead to making different choices in the future so some of the comments on some of these videos, you know, are saying, oh, that person didn't, it just went in one ear and out the other. They weren't even listening. Okay. Yeah. When you start to shame someone that way, tell them they're dumb, tell them they're making terrible choices when you haven't even given them the chance to actually like tell you what the cost of living is, where they are, when you have no, you're so out of touch with what the average parent in America or the average American is paying for childcare, is paying for groceries, um, you know, all of these different expenses that really have shifted a lot, especially in the last five years, especially since 2020, even we've had the last four years, inflation has been very high. And in some of these other areas like childcare in particular, inflation has even been even higher than average. And so when you shame someone about that, when you mock them and shame them, they shut down. In any conversation, if, can you think of any time you've been in a conversation where someone started mocking and shaming you that you were like open and you're like, oh, this is great. I, you know what? I really appreciate the fact that you're shaming and mocking me. And I want to hear more about what you have to say. I'm just dying to know what your advice is for me after you just told me that I was dumber than crap. No one, no one does that. 
No one does that because on an emotional level, you have just caused that person to fully retreat and to fully, you know, like put their walls up and their guards up that they are not safe in this conversation, that it is not okay for them to actually tell you what's happening in their world so that they can get some advice on how to make a different choice. They're now going to be hunkered down in their choice, whether they, whether they like it or not. It's now actually going to be harder to make a transformation because you have just shamed them from being a, an, again, quote unquote, authority figure and, and being mocking. So beyond the fact, again, beyond the fact that I disagree with Dave Ramsey on a, you know, a logistical implementation level as a financial advisor, as someone that has, you know, helped people um, get out of large amounts of debt and create savings and um, create more income. You know, these are things that I have literally helped people with and through and made big transformations that stick. And it does not come from shame or guilt. And it certainly doesn't come from mocking and making fun of them for the situation that they find themselves in. So from there, how would I, how would I have responded differently to that caller? What I would have done with that caller is first said, hey, amazing, congratulations. You are taking care of your family you are clearly, you know, working hard. You and your wife are both working and you know, your wife is getting through residency. You know that in a couple of years that her income is going to blossom. It's going to be so much, um, such a big reward for all the work that she's gone through. This caller also shared that she didn't have any debt from med school. None. So they're also working hard not to take on more student loan debt. He only has $25,000 in student loan debt. That is phenomenal. So first, if you hear me, caller, somehow this gets to you. Um, the person that called Dave, Dave Ramsey talking about your, um, your daycare costs and all of that, my first response to you is, you are doing such a good job. You are doing such a good job. You're providing for your family. Your wife is providing for your family. She is almost done with her residency. Her income is going to quadruple, quintuple. You know, it's going to really blossom when she gets through and goes into her specialty. And everything that you're doing now is setting you up for success. The fact that you only have a mortgage and $25,000 left of student loan debt is phenomenal. The fact that you have your children in a daycare that 
you feel is safe and is high quality and is giving them the attention that they need because they have to be away from you and your wife for so much of the day every day. And the fact that you're hiring a nanny during the summer so that they can have quality care while you and your wife are working so that they have people around them who love them, who are taking care of them, who are supporting them in addition to you. That is amazing. You're doing such a good job. How then do you go about making things feel better overall so that in this time, in this interim time until your wife gets into her residency, that that you're able to feel less pressure, less overwhelm, less fear around your finances? That's where we can start to look at some other priorities. That's where you can start to see, hey, you're making $110,000 a year. Is there a chance? Is there any any place in your place of work um, where you're ready for a promotion? Is this something that you've been thinking about? Have you been thinking about ways that you can you know, continue to have the right balance with your family, be able to be with your children the amount that you want to be with them? And, um, you know, progressing your career, is there any room or space for that in the near future for you? Or are you doing as much as you can right now, considering that your wife is in residency? If that's true, that's fine too. So if there's, if there's not necessarily a chance for more income right this moment, you know, in the near future before your wife finishes her residency... Is there a place where you can prioritize um, maybe maybe it's eating at home a little bit more? You know, we didn't get any details from this clip about um, grocery expenses or car um, car loans or leases um, or other, you know, trips or anything like that, travel. But those would be some of the places if it doesn't feel like income can increase right now, I might look at prioritizing your dollars to the places where it matters the most to you. It sounds to me like education, childcare is very important. You've got, you know, your wife is a doctor going, finishing up med school, right? Um, so clearly education is an important aspect for this family. And so if that's, that's going to remain very important, then the preschool is important, right? If that's a priority, then we build the budget around that. We build the budget around those daycare costs, the nanny costs, the mortgage. And then we start to look at the ancillary pieces and see if there are places that you can comfortably cut down while maintaining your priorities. Because we know, right, from that, from the remainder of that clip, they were saying, you know, find a free free summer camp. That that doesn't exist. Never once have I found a free summer camp, especially not when you're in a higher income bracket, right? If you're making $180,000 a year, there are very few things that you would qualify for with, you know, any sort of free basis. And that makes sense, 
right? You're not asking for free resources. You realize that you're blessed, that you're, that you are, um, living on what's, you know, typically a pretty abundant income. You're not asking for free resources and to take, you know, away from other people who have lower incomes who actually, you know, might need that assistance a lot more. So when the priority is to take care of your children, you build the budget around that priority. And beyond that, it's okay. It's okay if it feels a little bit stressful right now, knowing that things are going to shift soon, right? So the, the question is, how do we make it feel, you know, a little bit more manageable? Maybe that's actually a money story. Maybe that's a story that's coming up. Maybe that's the stressor is that the story that you have is that you shouldn't have any debt and it should be easier. Are those true? Are those money stories actually true that you shouldn't have any debt? Is the story true that it should be easier right now financially? Sometimes it's just letting go of the story and letting reality be as it is that makes the biggest difference in how we are approaching our finances. From, you know, this is not, again, this is not a recommendation. This is not financial advice that I am giving to strangers on the internet. So I want to be clear about that. But accepting where we are and accepting exactly what we're experiencing for what it is at any given point is the start. It's the absolute first part of making a shift that will help you feel better. And when you feel better, you're able to make new choices that flow through every part of your life. So, I realized this was a little bit different than my typical investment Friday, but I hope that this response reaches the people who need to hear it, who need to, to who were grappling. Maybe you had heard that clip and you're like, why, why beyond, you know, beyond the fact that he is just so out of touch to say that it doesn't make any sense that you're spending, you know, that much money on childcare. One, that's the reality that a lot of parents are facing right now in a lot of areas of the country. And two, that's, that wasn't even the bad part. The bad part was the shaming and the mocking. And that is what so many of us are reacting to and feeling like, ugh, ugh, I just can't even, I can't even deal with that. So if you felt that as well and you weren't quite sure, that's that's what I believe is the real problem. And what I actually believe in a more subtle form is one of the biggest issues among financial planners and investment managers across the board. Dave Ramsey is neither, right? He's just he just has this debt um strategy you know, snowballing, snowballing debt to help people get out of debt more quickly. 
So he's not, he's not a financial advisor in any way, shape or form. But those same feelings, people come to a lot of financial advisors and feel shamed or feel like they are behind or feel like they should be doing something different or feel like they will never get to the place that they desire to get to over and over again. It's something that I have seen over my entire career, you know, again, starting way back in 2007. So almost 17 years at this point. I have seen over and over how people have felt shamed by their financial advisor or their investment manager for having questions, for wanting to know what they were paying for, for um, feeling like they didn't understand and wanted to understand better or feeling like they weren't getting ahead and wanting to know why and then being met with maybe not that level, not Dave Ramsey level of shaming and mocking, but shades of it that were enough that you can still feel it, that you still feel judged, that you still feel like you're not enough, that you still feel like this person in front of you um, across the across the table has all of these credentials and they're they they are putting themselves on a pedestal. You know, listen to me. I have all the I have all the answers. You don't know what you're doing. So just take my advice and don't question it. That still has lots of levels of shame and guilt and manipulation within it. And we feel that. Whether you recognize it outright or you just leave feeling, leave that meeting feeling really uneasy, feeling worse about yourself than you did when you went in. Those are all clues that this that that advisor or that person, that financial quote unquote expert is is, you know, feeling that judgment. You're picking up on that. So my invitation to you is that if you have felt those levels, if you go into a financial meeting and come out feeling worse, I would take a look at that. Take stock. You should not go into any financial conversation with another professional and leave feeling worse about yourself. Feeling like your worth is less than it was before. Feeling like, um, you know, you are doing something wrong. That there's something wrong with you. That is the mark of not being with a financial professional that has your best interests at heart. Doesn't mean everything's always going to be perfect and roses. Doesn't mean that you might not get, you know, less than perfect news sometimes. Sometimes the market really does go down and your portfolio does decrease. And that maybe doesn't feel great. And sometimes, you know, the projections do say, hey, you know what, it really looks like age 65 retirement doesn't work very well, but age 67 retirement looks better, right? Maybe that doesn't feel great to you, but there shouldn't be a point where you feel like a bad person because of this conversation, right? There's a difference between, okay, here's a situation that we are going to work through together and help find solutions for together 
and, hey, you screwed up, you did things wrong as the client. And you need to do better. You need to figure it out. Right? That's the, that's the shaming that can come into play. So again, that's my invitation to you is to notice how you're feeling in financial conversations and to start to ask those questions. Start to notice and start to question whether, hey, should I feel like that? Or is there maybe a better fit for me? And if you have written off financial advisors completely or other financial professionals, if you need a, an accountant or a CPA or a bookkeeper, if you've written them off because you have had experiences before where you have felt shamed or felt like you're doing things wrong or just felt like, again, every meeting you just feel bad about yourself afterwards, it doesn't have to be that way. I do not work that way. I do not operate that way. And I have so many heart-centered colleagues who are amazing, amazing practitioners who also care about the human and, and truly have emotional intelligence in the financial conversation. So if that's something that you have been looking for, wanting to find, I would love to talk with you. I am here for you. I am here to have conversations with people. I love that. I love that part of my job. Supporting other humans is the best part for me. I just happen to do it in this financial way, right? But still what I'm doing is supporting humans, supporting people to live their beautiful, most beautiful, fullest life. And I just happen to have financial expertise, you know, and that's that's the way that I that I support people. And if I'm not the right fit, if it's not me, again, I know so many wonderful, wonderful practitioners that I can recommend who might be a, a really, really good fit for you, who will be heart-centered, who will be, um, again, emotionally intelligent, who are able to hold space for you to ask the questions that you've always wanted and needed to ask so that you can feel comfortable and confident in your financial decision-making without ever feeling shamed or guilted or manipulated or pushed into product or pushed to do things that you don't want to do, right? This is all so important and it's a very needed upgrade and up-level to this industry as a whole. So I'm going to end it there for today. And again, I would love to hear your response. Let me know what you feel. What did you feel when you heard that clip? Have you seen it before? What, what were you feeling and thinking? And do you, you know, agree with my assessment or do you disagree? I would love to have more conversation around this and, and this need to, again, create psychologically safe spaces for financial conversation. That is what we are missing across the board. And that's what I am here to create, is to create those psychologically safe spaces for financial conversations that can really change lives and change families. It's so, so important. So 
if you have any questions, as always, um, that you would like me to answer or respond to, um, or even something else that you've seen on, you know, Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, and you're like, hey, what do you think about this? I love that. I absolutely love those kinds of questions. Um, send them over to me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at ExpansiveCEO.com uh, for the podcast in particular. And if you want to know, you know, how to work with me in any way, shape, or form, you can go to x2wealthplanning.com. That's my website for X squared wealth planning, x numeral two wealthplanning.com. And you can find out how to book a call with me there. So I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful week ahead. I hope that you have um, beautiful financial conversations um, with the people that you love and that you need to be on the same page with. And I hope that I will see you here again next week for our continuing Financial Fridays series. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like and subscribe. And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at ExpansiveCEO.com and tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at ExpansiveCEO.com and at XSquaredWealthPlanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, WealthPlanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough, you are enough, and your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive.